Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. Today, however, we are doing something slightly different. Across the profession, there are many people going beyond diploma and even beyond chartered. For several universities have master's qualifications and students have undergone uh, significant additional research. Our interview today explores the research, its findings, but also the journey. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Zoe Taylor, who completed her dissertation in 2022. Hello Zoe, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Wonderful, thank you so much for having me on today. Well, I'm really, really pleased uh, you're here. Uh, and also, um, you know, really pleased that you shared a copy of your research with me in advance. Give me, give me a little bit of an insight to the colossal piece of work that, that, that you did. Um, and, I, and I noticed it was focused on sort of long-term care. Um, and, uh, and as you describe it, the perfect storm for financial decision-making. So, um, so it's all, I'm always curious, uh, how did you um, decide on this particular piece of research? Mm. It was interesting. There was a lot of different things I was thinking of doing, but at the time I was sitting the Society of Later Life Advisors Accreditation. And so I had quite a professional interest. Um, but really the trigger, I was very much inspired by my granddad. So two months before last last Christmas time, um, his dementia had got to a point where we could no longer cope with it. And on Boxing Day, sadly, he had to go into an emergency care home, um, which was really difficult. And I think it really shed a lot of light on the situation. I'd always thought it was very uh, black and white. You know, it's just a set of financial decisions that need to be made. You know, you just have to follow a process. But in reality, when it is your loved one and your family, it's very difficult and it's very emotional. And having to make these tough decisions that you know is in their best interest, but is often against their wishes and it's not what they'd have really wanted is really difficult so this whole journey made me really consider how um, the stress and the emotion really impacts people's decision making and how that ultimately deals with their finances as well so it was a it was a bit of everything that, that brought us to this point. I, I mean that's you know really interesting and I think um, you know if you take the situation I, I, I'm uh, so in my 50s, I've got uh, my parents, my my wife's parents, uh, and this is one of the sort of big challenges. I, I am absolutely the sandwich generation where I've, <laughs> I've got my my children demanding money and my uh, and my uh, and my parents and in laws where where obviously the issue of care and everything else is 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 very prevalent. Um, so I think it, you know it's a really interesting area and, and and one that I can only see growing and obviously your work with solar is 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 particularly uh relevant um so in terms of your research what would you say uh were the sort of key findings it was certainly around um, early discussions early discussions became the key and the difference that made 
from a really stressful, anxious time and situation, actually into something that could be spoke about. And, and as soon as you get over those sort of privacy issues of the older generation that you sometimes come across where people don't like to talk about money in general, once they realised that actually it's in everybody's interest that these things are discussed early on, it was so much easier for people to make good decisions, you know, with um with time pressure, it's much harder to absorb information. It's much harder to make clear, calculated decisions. Um, so one of the key things that came out of this is how do we stop that becoming such an issue? And how do we take an anxious, stressful situation and turn it into something that is pre-planned, that people are confident making decisions, where they understand the responsibilities? Um, so a lot of that came down to kind of three things. Firstly, training in this area and I think that training for attorneys would be a really massive leap that we could make um, and something that I'm working on at the moment um, and also to seek advice so interestingly of everybody that we surveyed 92.5% of people said they would encourage others to seek financial advice in this really complex area so it became really obvious that there is a real need here. And would you say just picking up on the point of of advice the conversation would you say that actually you shouldn't wait till you need the care you should be be having that conversation and, and particularly the advisor should be having the conversation much much earlier absolutely it's it's absolutely proven it was crystal clear in this that the people that had early decisions and particularly the people that had um a sort of an independent expert, somebody sat in the room to talk them through the responsibilities and to, to show that this just makes it so much easier in all the family. And really, that is what 90% of my clients want. They want to get their affairs in order so that their estate is easy to manage for the next generation. You know, it, it just makes good sense. Um, so, yes, yeah, certainly early conversations were key to all of this. Brilliant. And um, so I understand in terms of this sort of master's and dissertations process, um, one of the biggest tasks you do is the is the literature review, um, where, where you're looking at theories and, and wider research. So with your literature review um, around the sort of long term care and decision making analysis, what what did you discover from that from that piece of work? I think there was two main things. The first thing was the, the size and scale of this problem that, you know, when you combine the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, the increasing life expectancy, that the Office of National Statistics said that between 2015 and 2025, we were expecting an, a 36% increase in people aged over 85. So this just places unprecedented demand on the care system, which is already stretched to capacity through most opinion. Um, so when you combine that sort of that enhanced problem in this life expectancy with the cost of care, which, I mean, going back to 2018, on average was 32,000 a year for residential care, probably substantially more now um, with the increases of the cost of living and various other things. But it's such a, a costly expense and a huge sort of national problem that there's no real easy solution for. And the recent caps and things don't really... Um, hold much weight when they're scrutinised properly. So there's such a demand in an already stretched system with a very expensive burden for people to find and pay. So yeah, it certainly hit home the, the size and the scope of the problem. 
Um, and also the fact that the research really highlighted that self-funders, so essentially people with assets of about 23 to 50 um, in their savings or accessible assets, these people who were self-funding are very much at risk of being severely disadvantaged because there's no support available. Um, you know, the lack of financial guidance, the lack of awareness that there is financial advice available in this area. Um, but this disadvantageous situation where we've got almost this perfect storm of an overstretched care um, system, we've got a lack of training and awareness in attorneys, we've got people not really knowing that you can seek financial advice in this area. Um, all just plays into this really difficult decision-making environment and lots of questions around our return is vulnerable. You know, we talk all the time about potentially vulnerable clients, you know, and clearly age and various things play into that. But are our attorneys facing, you know, vulnerability by the very nature of the situation they find themselves in, this time pressure, complex, all of these things we would identify as vulnerability. So I think there needs to be a lot more work to understand how that really plays out and how we can help um, guide people through this whole situation. And um, and, and, and you, if your research um, was done through a survey, and, 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 I, and I've interviewed a, a lot of people who've been doing masters, and, and you're actually... I think the first that uh, one of the first that has done this a survey, um, uh, and, and so I'm curious in terms of, you know, why did you choose a survey? Um, what did you learn from that process? Uh, and uh, I suppose what 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 did it give you that perhaps interviews um, wouldn't have given you? Mm, yeah, I'm really glad I did, actually. Um, and there was a bit of a debate because surveys typically give you sort of black and white numerical data, you know, yes or no answers. So we kind of did um, a bit of a hybrid survey. It had lots of yes and no questions, but it also had the ability to capture people's real feelings and feedback. And I think particularly with long term care, people need to have their voices heard. They need a way of explaining how the system made them feel. Um, and what was brilliant about the surveys is they, they were almost evenly matched in the people that were professionals, so um, trained solicitors, court-appointed deputies, and Society of Later Life advisors um, represented about broadly half of the people that responded. And the other half were families who had just sort of muddled through, um, who had to find their own path through the system. So it was fascinating to see this contrast between the two. And we learned an awful lot from being able to say, was it the experience or was it the training or was it the fact that the professionals were hands off and it wasn't their family that was you know, being dealt with? But it was remarkable that the professional group found the whole system so much easier to navigate. They understood their obligations. They, um, they made really clear, concise decisions. So we learned an awful lot with that. And then the, the other side of this, well, I brought some quotes, actually, because I thought you might, um, you might like to hear what people really think. Um, so there's a few little quotes here. It won't take long, but someone had said, these really hit home for me, because I just thought, this was this is my family, you know. Uh, someone said, I was totally lost. The social worker told me to contact the council, but I could never get through on the phone and had to email, and it took 18 to 24 months to sort out. My relative owned their own property, which had to be sold to provide funds, and the whole experience was extremely stressful. 
And you can really feel there how, you know, how complicated they found this whole journey. Someone else said um, that they felt abandoned by the system and the multi-agencies who do not work together and have no interest in doing so, which again wasn't a, wasn't a very positive experience. Um, and a lot came out through the pandemic as well. People finding it was a really stressful situation to then be thrown into, oh my goodness, you know, what do we do here? Are we putting you more at risk by putting you in a home? Are you better at home? But you're also a risk, you know. Um, and then, of course, some feelings as well of, of disparity. The, through the research, it became clear that the people who were self-funding were also paying on average about £12,000 a year towards the people that the local authorities support. So this feeling of unfairness came through in a lot of them. And somebody had said, um, I feel the fees are based on fairly on individuals who have worked all their lives and had to pay for their care when others get it for free. I'm happy to pay for it, but I feel like the elderly are penalised for saving, which again, you know, it's such a turbulent time and so full of raw emotion in these situations. And when you're feeling helpless and slightly resentful and, you know, thrown into turmoil, you, you can really feel um, for these people and, and how that works. So if you are listening, if there's anybody out there feeling like this, you know, there are ways that you can get additional help and support and you're really not alone in this journey. So please do seek some advice. Brilliant. Um, and um, so let's assume you've completed well you have completed your dissertation so let's assume you 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 want to take it to the next level you're you've decided you're going to do a phd or or, or someone looks at your dissertation and wants to follow on the the the, the uh, research what would you say is is the next step that they could that they could take on I would love it if somebody would look at the role of attorneys so and and decide whether or not this is still the most fit for purpose and whether anything can be done to make that role easier. Um, when we did this, there was around about 5.3 million registered attorneys in the UK. So lots of people working in this, well, or being um, given this very technical, very legally challenging role with often no experience, with, with no requirement for any training. And I think certainly in my line of work, when I've spoken to clients, and sometimes they've done things that actually let them fall foul of their responsibilities, completely unwittingly, you know, they've had no idea that what they've done, um, actually in the eyes of the law or the court, is completely the wrong thing to do and, and leaves them open to serious risk, you know, of challenges. So I think there's certainly a lot to be done around the role of attorneys and understanding if people really understand what they've been asked to do and all of the responsibilities that go with that is is huge. And of course, the vulnerability aspect that I touched on earlier, you know, you're asked to sign a bit of paper for your mum and dad, and that's probably as far as it goes, right up until the point where suddenly something's gone wrong and now it all becomes really serious. Um, so yeah, I think there's a huge gap there where we could be doing more and some research would be fantastic in that area. That's really interesting. Um, so there'll be people listening to you now who are thinking, actually, I'd quite like to do a master's myself. Um, what would you say your guidance to them? What, what would you be saying about it? Um, in terms of hints and tips to doing a master's? 
I thought the whole process was really fascinating. I actually really enjoyed every moment. I enjoyed having a tutor who completely seemed to be able to um, just take all the nonsense in my head and make it into something, you know, that, that made sense in an academic format. Um, and it was lovely to do something that normally all of our exams are very black and white, aren't they? They're very, these are the rules, you work within them, you know, this is tax, this is how it works. And this was very sort of philosophical. It's very challenging. The, the way that you think critically and you don't accept anything, you know, you actually go, hmm, is that really true though? Can I find evidence against that? You know, it was really great. And with clients now, I challenge a lot more, you know, I question them a lot more. And it also makes you think a lot about why people make the decisions they make, which is really helpful from our point of view, because if we can overcome some of these poor decisions, our clients get better outcomes. So the whole thing was fabulous. Um, and if you are thinking about it, I would absolutely do it. It will be, you know, a year of your life that will be challenging, but very well spent. Um, and just to do it on something that you're really passionate about. You know, this was personal for me. This was a personal vendetta against the world. I really wanted to understand more and to be able to make an impact. And I think if you do it on something that you have a genuine interest in, you will absolutely succeed. Thank you so much. I think that's um, you've covered a lot of ground, um, and uh, and it's really kind of you to sort of share your insights. Really appreciate it. And uh, as always, Zoe, thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Thank you. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.